0: This is Everyday Ayurveda and Yoga, recorded at Halepule on beautiful Kauai. Each month we cover topics that can help you find balance in your life through food, good living, and the eight limbs of Raja Yoga. Learn more at Halipule.com. And here's the show. Hello everyone, this is Myra and Kelsey with Halepule's Everyday Ayurveda and Yoga podcast.
1: Through Ayurveda and yoga, I've learned to nourish myself on a physical and subtle level. As I become aware of the need for nourishment and take action to care for myself, I find I experience life more fully. This summer, I traveled to the place where I grew up. It was a really great gift to be present and clear in my interactions. The visit was short and rewarding, and I have Ayurveda and yoga to thank for that. Since it's made a big impact in our lives and our work with clients and students, I'd like to talk more about nourishment and the importance of giving to ourselves in a healthy way, physically and energetically. Let's focus on the sense organs as they are the gateways to our health and inner world, and their importance may not be understood. What are the senses, and why is their care so important?
0: Well, the senses, we call them pancha and dryas, or the five senses. They, as you mentioned, they're how we interact with the world around us. And there's an organ associated with each of those senses. So the senses are the more subtle aspect of our interaction. And we tend to think of it on a physical level in the modern world. And this is where things really break down. you know, Forgetting that we're energetic beings, that we run over and misuse these senses. And we get very different results in life than if we have an awareness and a connection to those senses that is more conscious. So these subtleties have a really powerful impact on our physical being. When we recognize the connection and we can see that it's our opportunity to make good choices, to have discernment in what we expose ourselves to. When we use our senses in a balanced way, then we bring balance into our living and vice versa. So we're either in freedom or we're in bondage, depending on how we use our senses and our sense organs. They have a huge impact also on how we relate to others and our ability to grow spiritually. And this is directly related to how we use our senses and the sense organs. That's the general idea of what they are.
1: Awesome. And so the sense organs then play just as an important role as the senses themselves. We have to care for both. Yes. Okay. And in caring for the senses, do we actually end up caring for the sense organs at the same time? And sense organs caring
0: for the senses? Maybe, maybe not. There might be more to it than that. That's what we're going to talk about.
1: Great. Let's start with the eyes. Uh, healthy eyes support balanced eyesight. And most importantly, what we look at and expose ourselves to is food for the soul. In what ways can we nourish the eyes?
0: Oh, there's all kinds of fun ways. And ways that maybe, if you're not familiar with Ayurveda, that might seem very odd to you, but they work so well. Uh, so, for example, uh, if you have dry eyes, and even if you don't have dry eyes or you have high vata and you're familiar with what that is, then you can put a drop of castor oil in your eyes at night. In One drop in each eye, amazing difference it will make. Ghee is another thing that you can put a drop of into the eyes, and that's very good for calming vata and pitta. Actually, it's good for kapha too, but usually there's not so much problem there. Putting some lubrication into the eyes, especially these days with the the amount of pollutants that we have in the air, makes a big difference in terms of how the eyes feel and how they function. A daily application of this, I've had people reverse cataracts who've who've used ghee in the eyes to reduce uh, excess pressure, leading to glaucoma, and all kinds of other eye disorders. And some people might do best with using the ghee or castor oil twice in the day. You know, Ayurveda is not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing, but it's really for the individual at that particular point in time. I had somebody contact me last week that was having trouble with the sty in both eyes, actually. And, you know, simple things like cool compresses and uh, cilantro juice and some ghee also helped to soothe her eyes, and, uh, and it just took a few days to clear it up. Sometimes that kind of thing comes from exposure to something not not so good for the eyes. Mm-hmm.
1: Would the oil in the eyes also help reduce the red, red lines in the eyes, red veins? It might,
0: yes, because it might help to calm pitta dosha, uh, which is usually where those red lines come from. But the red lines also come as a result of indigestion from ajirna. And they can also come when the eyes are damaged. Um, by uh, ultraviolet light but it'll definitely help and then just patting some cool water over your eyelids after you eat is really good for calming pitta dosha because the agni and the pitta comes up and the pitta comes up and warms up the eyes because pitta is responsible for your eyes so very simple things to do to to just keep that calm and take care of your eyes It's really good to have some exposure to sunlight every day. So about 15 minutes is all you need. And it's nice if you can have some more than that. We don't need to be afraid of the sun. And some people live in places that they don't get much sun. So as much as possible, that sunlight, it doesn't have to be the direct sun, will help support your agni. So wearing sunglasses all the time isn't really a good idea. If you're uh, in extreme sun in the middle of the day, you know, then sure, while you're driving. But some people kind of got a little bit extreme about it and thought that they could never put their eyes into the sun. And that's not really a great
1: idea. What about people who live in cold climates where they can't actually go outside? Is being inside and getting the sunlight through the glass enough? Well, you know, I'm
0: not really sure about that. (laughs) It probably would be helpful. It would be better doing that than not so. Yeah. Yeah. Because, again, it's, you know it doesn't have to be the sun shining right into your eyes, just some sunlight. You know, we look for the light of consciousness. So that will be helpful. And then there's an Ayurvedic treatment called kajal that is made from the soot of castor oil and ghee. And you can use it medicinally. It's very good when you're having to work outside, for example, and there's a lot of glare from the sun. Uh, but it's also a nice eyeliner
1: also. We do sell it at Pule, and our Durka Farms farmers use it when working in the bright sun. And I actually use it to counteract the glare from the computer screen. And I found it's eliminated headaches from spending time on the computer, which is very freeing. Sun gazing is an ancient yogic practice.
0: There's there's some specific information that you can get about it. I don't think we'll go into it here. But you start with a very short period of time, and you work up it's it's like uh charging yourself you might say but it's also very important that it's done properly that you do it at the times of day when the ultraviolet exposure is low it would be right after sunrise and right before sunset but there, there is some information you can get on the internet um, about that and you've pr-
1: done that practice yourself
0: I have done that practice, yes. I believe I worked up to 37 minutes of sun gazing, yeah, at those times. It was very helpful, actually, yes. And then there's something in Ayurvedic treatment, just a little more information about the eyes, called Netrabasti and called Tarpana by some people. And this is a a really healing treatment for the eyes. It helps to reduce pressure in the eyes and calm svata and pitta doshas. And it's, you build a dough dam around the eyes and you place warm ghee into the eyes and it might be a medicated ghee for some people. And you can do it, it might be done in a series with Panchakarma treatment uh, for somebody who has specific problems. And it's also helpful for dosha balancing and can be done periodically for maintenance.
1: How about nourishing the nose? Ah, The
0: nose, well, cleaning the hairs in the nose is a good idea. There's something called neti, a practice of washing the sinuses and the nose, inside of the nose, with a warm, salty solution. One comment I'll make about that, because I know there's a lot of people who got very scared of that practice. Uh, You know, it's important that you keep your face parallel to the ground and keep it simple. In Ayurveda, we don't do anything in extreme. Very, very, very rarely would it be extreme. Usually when people have problems, it's because they've done something extreme. Uh, But if you have problems with the water going down your throat, then you probably don't have your head in a good position. So you need to keep the face and head parallel to the floor, to the ground, and turn your head, and you can have it go in one nostril and out the other. You know, and if it burns, then you might need to use a little more salt in the water. So we always look for what are the subtle adjustments that can be made, because that will usually make the difference. And once a day is enough, unless you're working in a very dirty environment or, or you feel like you might be getting a cold. It's really helpful for relief from allergies as well.
1: I'm laughing because uh, we had a, a farmer from Brazil who learned about neti here and he loved it. So next thing we know, he was asking if doing it 50, 15 times a day was too much because he just loved it, <laughs> and he was drinking several pots on each side, and it was just, He said, once a day is okay. And so
0: what, what the neti does is it helps to clean the hairs, which are, are the filters then for anything that goes up our nose. Uh, and so it helps us, it clears that connection to our brain and, and helps the brain to function properly. So our, it helps our interaction with the outer world. The use of oil then in the nose is very helpful. Uh, and again, especially with if you're in a, a dirty environment or you're in a polluted environment, as most many of us are these days. Uh, and that helps to increase the lubrication in the mucous membranes in the nose, which means that it's all going to function better. And, and it gives a little bit of protection. So you can use ghee. That's pretty good for anybody, but especially nice for people with excess pitta. Coconut oil is good too. Uh, it's nice and cooling but so it's not for everybody and it can be used in the morning and in the evening and you can use a nasya oil that's a medicated herbal oil and this will assist with your brain function and how well the senses work
1: if someone gets regular nosebleeds what nourishment needs to happen there to counteract that or redu- reduce well, the nosebleeds if
0: nosebleeds are happening, then that's a sign that there's some excess pitta. So I would go with coconut oil in that case. Yeah. And, but that's also a dietary issue. And maybe, maybe the actions that the person is doing in life, for example, if they're involved in aggressive activities and things like that, that might need to be moderated as well.
1: And what about the ears?
0: You know, a few simple things for the ears, a few drops of oil, sesame oil on a daily basis. You can also use medicated oils if there's problems with the ears. Otherwise, you want a raw or an unrefined sesame oil, and you just warm it up a little bit. And, and there's a practice called Karnapurna, where you actually fill the ear canal with warm sesame oil. And again, you might be using a medicated oil if you have any specific problems Um, And this is a really great practice for calming vata dosha. You can do it on yourself, and it's also nice to have someone do it for you. But one of the things I I find that it's very helpful for people is to um, help with people who have sleep difficulties, which is usually a result of vata dosha imbalance. Uh, So uh, doing that on a a periodic or regular basis, depending on the situation, is extremely helpful for the ears. And then covering the ears if you're out in the wind or any any kind of uh, cold weather is also going to be very helpful. And covering the ears in shavasana after a yoga practice, asana practice. And also covering the ears and the top of the head when going to bed is also helpful for keeping vata calm and and, uh, being able to sleep more peacefully.
1: How would you take care for the ears if you have to be around loud sounds? Right, then you'd want to use some
0: kind of earplugs or something, noise-reducing covers for the ears, right? Because it's very important that we not uh, have any loud or jarring sounds. I can remember one time when I was a, a young person going to a concert, and this is in the early days of big concerts, and I went to a concert and I thought it was so great that I was sitting on the third row, and I also happened to be in right in front of the speakers. And, uh, and, and my ears were ringing for days afterwards. I don't think that was a good idea.
1: Speaking of ringing, actually, that's something that's come up recently with clients is a lot of ringing in the ears. So what is an appropriate amount of ringing that's just hearing internal sound versus what indicates excess vata needs to be corrected?
0: Well, I think that's really up to the individual. And we know when vata is out of balance, we have all kinds of other symptoms and things that go on. Uh, And many people will experience a lot of loud noise or rushing in the ears. But there's also that internal sound, you know, what we call the nada in yoga. And, uh, And so sometimes I suggest to people that they listen to the sound and see what is it. Uh, because often we might find that it com- it comes at times when we need to listen internally rather than being uh, occupied on the outside.
1: Now, what about the mouth? Uh,
0: so the mouth, we have many ways to take care of, but one of the one of the easiest ones is something called gandusha which is to just rinse your mouth. So you can rinse your mouth after you eat, for example. Rinse it first thing in the morning before you swallow so that any bacteria that's accumulated in the morning can be rinsed out. And then gargle. So you'll just gargle some water, and that helps to clear any excess kapha. uh, But then Gandusha Snehan with oil is the thing that's very popular these days called oil pulling, I guess. And uh, and this is so nourishing for the mucous membranes, for the gums and the teeth, and it helps to relax the jaws and, and the tongue muscle as well.
1: It has become popular in the sense of oil pulling, and it's, like it's portrayed as a new thing, but it's actually an ancient practice. Right. The- it is. And,
0: you know, sesame oil has very special qualities that it – the absorptive qualities of it and it's much more nourishing and absorbed more easily than the co- than coconut oil and also the sesame is a little warming and coconut oil is cooling so generally i'm going to suggest that people use sesame oil there might be the occasion for coconut oil but it's really not preferred and most people who try both find that they prefer the sesame oil in terms of its effect and then, the, for example, Banyan Botanicals has put together something called a Daily Swish, which has a number of some herbs and essential oils in it that are also very nice for the mouth. And sometimes if you have some standard formula like that and it might feel too strong, then you, you can dilute it a little bit with some plain sesame oil too. And then tongue scraping is another one that's that's really helpful for getting to know yourself, I say, because using a tongue scraper on a regular basis, morning and evening, some people say they only prefer to use it in the morning. I think it's a good idea to use it in the evening. You gently, not hard, but gently use that tongue scraper from back to front seven times. And uh, there should be a little bit of something that comes off, but there shouldn't be a lot. It shouldn't be a very thick coating in that because then it tells you about what's happening with your digestion. Then you know whether what you ate really made a difference or not because that thick white coating is um and um are toxins, and that means that they are accumulating in your body, and that's not going to lead to good things. So pay attention to your tongue. Tongue scrapers, you know, they're they're best in stainless steel or copper. Or gold if you're inclined that way. Better to stay away from the plastic ones. And there are tongue coatings also that are related to excess dosha. You know, the tongue is actually, we can be laid out just like our body. And, and there's so much, it tells such a great story about what's going on. And uh, I, I really enjoy the tongue and and looking at it and seeing how it changes each day. So that'd be a great thing to do is just start watching your tongue and notice how it changes from day to day. What about the teeth? Well, the teeth, you know, we're so programmed about the teeth. You know, it's okay. You brush your teeth, but then uh, if you have bleeding gums or you have any tendency toward any problems with the teeth, Uh, with bacteria accumulation or cavities and that, then there's a very simple practice that will make all the difference in that. You take a clean toothbrush. So you've brushed the teeth and then you rinse the brush and you press it at a 45 degree angle up under the gum line, just gently, but all the up under. And if you have accumulated bacteria, then it will bleed. So with this practice, of just gently pressing the toothbrush up under the gum line, then you don't let the bacteria accumulate. So you do it every 12 hours. Bacteria doesn't accumulate. Don't have any problems. It's really great. And then you rinse your mouth after, and then you floss.
1: Now, I was under the impression that brushing the teeth had to be strong.
0: It doesn't need to be hard. No, it's just, you know, you're brushing the teeth. You're going to want to take off any accumulated uh, material of any, of any sort, and that's really it. Otherwise, you don't need to do anything else, and you don't really need to
1: brush on your
0: gums either.
1: And the flossing, you think twice a day is the best rather than just once?
0: Flossing twice a day, definitely, yes. Great. Because you want to disturb the bacteria that's between the teeth.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then the throat.
0: And the throat, we mentioned I'm gargling already. And that's what I would do first thing in the morning and uh, periodically through the day. Just a little warm water, and a little bit of a gargle. It'll, again, it'll help any cough accumulation or any irritation from environmental pollutants and things of that nature.
1: Actually, you had ref- referred me to gargle recently because my voice was cracking from insecurity and Mm -hmm. that the practice of gargling would actually shift the energy and Mm then allow my voice to become more clear. Great. What about the skin?
0: Well, taking care of our skin, personal abhyanga is one of the most valuable things you can do. You want to use the pattern to calm vata dosha just uh, amplifies the effectiveness of uh, the oil you know we have the the touch is a benefit and then the direction makes all the difference in terms of calming vata and then we have the absorption of course of the oil and if you're using a medicated oil then that's even better because then you have the herbs going into you but it's going to improve the quality of your skin and its ability to protect you and its appearance Um, it gives lubrication to the body in general, and it helps the flow of energy and also to keep the lymph moving so that you're releasing toxins. You you can use sesame oil for vata because it's warming. It also can be okay for kapha if you're using a plain oil and coconut oil, as we mentioned, or sunflower oil is nice. Coconut oil, as I mentioned, is good for excess pitta, But sunflower oil is a nice oil also. It's good for anyone uh, because it's quite neutral. And then you can get an Ayurvedic treatment from a trained technician in your area or at Hale if you happen to be here on Kauai. The snehan uh, is what we call it. uh, And it's a very particular pattern of movement applying medicated oil to the body. And it's done very slowly so that it's calming for vata dosha, it's calming for the other doshas as well. You can, uh, and there are a variety of treatments, you know, you can have something that's more stimulating if it's appropriate for you. There's a nice treatment called udvartana, which is very good for kapha dosha, but also good for stimulating the movement of lymph in the body.
1: Reducing Uh, stagnation in the skin.
0: Yes, exactly. So another thing about the skin, though, is to cover yourself in the hot sun, especially midday, and also to keep yourself out of the strong wind. You know, where we live, it, the sun is very strong, um, between, especially between 10 and 2, 11 and 3 in that time frame. Uh, in the summertime, it's it's really not helpful at all to be out in that. So just being aware of that. But the other thing, too, is to keep the top of your head covered. Because that's going to help keep the pitta dosha calm. It'll help you keep your hair, <laughs> if that concerns you. Uh, and, uh, and you'll just feel better. So hats are, are, are appropriate for this or some kind of a shawl or some wrap over the top of the head.
1: Well, let's take a short break. And when we're back, talk more about how to nourish the senses. Ayurveda is a vast science that teaches us to see ourselves as whole beings, body, mind, and spirit. When all three are in balance, true health, free of symptoms, illness, or pain, is possible. The training you will receive through Hale Pule's Ayurvedic 600-hour health counselor program will challenge and inspire you. It will allow you to experience firsthand the joy of Ayurveda so that you can guide others to find the same balance and connection. The program offers an extensive yet practical view of Ayurveda. What results is in-depth knowledge and the ability to apply it to real people in real life. Visit halipule.com for details. We're back. We've been talking about nourishment of the sense organs more on the physical level.
0: Yes, and how the sense organs function is related to the balance of the doshas and agni. And how we utilize those organs through the senses themselves is what will balance or imbalance the doshas and agni. It's a holistic system. Everything affects
1: everything else. And since we are energetic beings in a body, let's now talk about how to nourish the subtle energies related to each of the senses. And we'll start with sight.
0: Yeah. So our
1: eyesight, a nice
0: practice is something called tratak, which is... Gazing into a candle flame. There's specific instructions on in how to do this, but it will strengthen your ability to focus and it allows the mind to quiet down. So there's a cleansing effect that happens from the power of the fire. There's, you could say, transformation and purification from gazing into the flame. Maybe some of you have experienced that just by gazing into a campfire sometime. And it helps us to dispel illusions and delusions and it helps us to sharpen what we can see on the more subtle level and then of course just any exposure to the positive aspects of life will help to cultivate sattva which is balance and harmony so don't watch things that are negative or harmful or regressive actions of any sort when we watch that kind of thing then it, it tends to move us away from sattva, away from things of balance and harmony and the light. And we're having a, a magnificent storm in the background these days, right Right now actually. <laughs> That's what all that thunder is if you can hear it. So we want to learn to look at things for their inherent beauty and not just for what's on the surface. So this is another way to use our sense of sight you know, to look beyond the obvious. So we want to learn to use the Ajna chakra, which is related to the center of our head and our clairvoyance. And we want it to, so that we can fully experience the more subtle aspects of life. And that's what really gives life fullness. How about sound? <laughs> that was a big rumble of thunder we just had. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's very important that we learn to use our Sense of sound in nature, you know, to learn to hear the birds and the bugs and the wind and the rain and the thunder. And that's going to cultivate sattva in us so that we get to know ourselves in relation to nature and not as something completely separate from it. And what's going to help with that, of course, is to avoid exposure to loud and to a lot of dissonant sounds because they encourage us to dissociate from our environment and from ourselves and will take us more in the direction of tamas. You know, having some dissonance, for example, in a, in a symphony, there's usually one movement that's dissonant, and that and helps us to see the contrast. So I'm not necessarily talking about that. I'm talking about something on an ongoing basis or of any kind of extreme nature, for sure. Also, experiencing quiet on a daily basis this is going to allow your mind to settle down uh, so that you can listen to the voice of the God of your heart. When we do that, then we have more energy. You know, as we become more discriminating in our listening, in other words, that we really learn to listen and don't expose ourselves to things that create negativity in us, then um, it makes it easier for us to be able to discriminate in our speech as well. Basically, what I'm talking about is that we get to know the workings of our mind. In in this, you know, you can use marma points to release tension anywhere in the body on a daily basis. That's also very helpful. It's helpful in terms of our our sense of sound, We're using marma points around the ears. We can do the same around the eyes and so forth.
1: And a nice, simple one to use is just right on the lobes, bottom lobes of the ear. Mm-hmm. What about taste?
0: With taste, we want to practice moderation. And again, the subtleties are what really count. That's what will make it easier to practice moderation. It's what will cultivate sattva in us. You know, going to extremes is easy. It's rajas, the activity of life, going downhill toward tamas, toward the darkness. If you think about things that you've eaten in extreme or extreme taste, something extremely hot or extremely sweet, yeah, those are things that actually dull our senses and dull our sense of taste. So the middle path really is most rewarding in terms of our sense of taste. And again, that moderation is what allows us to be able to discern and make some good choices. And it also is what allows us, as we experience all six tastes, then we can experience the joy of each one, and especially the joy of sweetness. When there's too much of it, it really takes us in a negative direction. So that means saying no to cravings and strong tastes, having three meals in a day and no snacks, and having that appropriate balance of the six tastes. And these are things that we talk about in our chef trainings, and we also have some articles on our website in the in the blog, talking about keeping that balance. But working with our taste, our sense of taste, also helps us to strengthen our mind. And, and again, that takes us back to enjoying the subtle aspects of it. And that, for myself, it, it created a broader experience of food. And then that gives me a broader experience of myself.
1: When we talked about the skin, we, you mentioned oiling the body and the oiling the body would also contribute to balancing the sense of touch.
0: It would, that's right. And it's, again, it's going to be calming for Vata dosha especially, but depending on what oil you're using, it can be calming for the other doshas. When there's excess Vata, we become overly sensitive in all of our senses. And our sense of touch is one of those places, meaning the, the skin it doesn't feel good to be touched when there's excess vata. But once we can get past that first hump and start practicing abhyanga and using oil on the skin, then it will start to calm down and uh, perspective will change and the senses will become in their moderate place. Uh, and then the other thing, too, about our sense of touch is to start to become aware of our energy and our aura. So the subtle aspect of our aura also has an effect on our sense of touch. So you want to fluff your aura up regularly and do something called bringing in a gold sun. So the gold being a higher vibration, it'll help to nourish all of your senses through nourishing your energy body and and your physical body as well.
1: Then we have smell.
0: Right. Well, of course, you want to avoid exposure to foul and toxic smells. I guess that's pretty obvious. Yeah, probably pretty easy. But also to realize that if we do have some of that exposure, that it is going to have some effect. And so doing some things to counter that. So, for example, the use of essential oils in a blend, you might just use it for smelling it. But you might also might be putting it on the body or you might be diffusing it in the room and things of that nature. Smelling fresh flowers and plants or being in the forest and smelling that, uh, smelling the rain and smelling good food cooking. You know, these are all things that we want to learn to pay attention to. If we're rushing around in life or in our head, meaning we're, when we're in our head, we're either in the future or the past, we miss all of that. And that's the, that's the great thing, then, that has our sense of smell become uh, more acute, but in an appropriate way so that we can be aware of the subtle, subtleties uh, of various smells. And then, of course, there are marma points right alongside the nose and around the head that can be used to, to help bring that back. It is related to our first
1: chakra and our sense of grounding, though. Learning how to care for my sense organs made that summer travel that I mentioned earlier so much more enjoyable. I'm generally not a fan of actually being in airports or airplanes, but utilizing those suggestions, especially oiling my sense organs uh, pretty much as much as I could, (laughs) and really made it an easier transition to being in a new environment. And I got to be present and see the detail in the wild raspberries more clearly and notice the difference in the scent of the rain from the scent of the rain in Hawaii and smell the wide variety of flowers on a single path. I I couldn't do that before. Everything was just a blur. And the travel itself, yes, each layover, I just put oil in my ears and my eyes and my nose, my face, and it felt so much better. And it only took a couple of minutes.
0: Realizing that treating myself better by caring for my senses and sense organs in a way that was in tune with the natural rhythm of nature was really a life-changing thing for me. It made airports a lot easier. And it also made the notion of finishing my day much easier for going to sleep.
1: Well, that's all we have time for today before we finish. Do you have a, key note for our listeners to take away if this is new for you choose one
0: of the items that we've talked about and work with it consciously for a week and see how it feels if you like it then add another one because it will only get
1: better thank you for joining us if you'd like to work with us to determine the best approach for you we offer consultations in person and by phone skype or facetime
0: Thanks so much for listening to Everyday Ayurveda and Yoga. Don't forget, if you have a question or a topic you'd like us to cover, just submit your question on Facebook or Twitter with the hashtag AskHalepule. That's H-A-L-E-P-U-L-E. And if you want to go deeper on your own path toward health, book a consultation at halepule.com. join Simple Ayurvedic Cooking with Halepule. The recipes are easy, delicious, and will leave you feeling energized. And the link to join is in our show notes.